Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Matt and Judd's Hockey Adventure. Judd, how are you? I am fantastic. How are you, Matthew? I'm doing well, and the Minnesota Wild were on a bit of a roll, and then they hit a bump in the road in Edmonton. They ran into a guy by the name of Connor McDavid, who now is pacing for about 100 points in a season in which his team comes nowhere close to making the playoffs, which is just absolutely astonishing. And it's criminal, every, Matthew. It's every, criminal. And and Peter Shirelli still has a job to this point, which is also uh, criminal. even more amazing in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, a joy to watch Connor McDavid play last night. Uh, a beautiful goal that he scored walking around Ryan Suter. So the Minnesota Wild, they got McDavid did last night. But before that, they had been on a bit of a roll. And Judd, they are starting to look more like a contender now. Yeah, you know, they are. And, and... – I think we talked about this on the previous Hockey Adventure podcast, Matthew. The only thing that concerns me is every time I go down this path, I mean, you're guiding me down the path right now. Hey, they look pretty good. They, you know, they've once, and you're right. And every time I go down this path, guess, guess what, what happens? The path turns out to be a cliff. And I fall right off that cliff, and I look like the dummy again by saying, <laughs> you know, I think this team's going to be good. I, I think they're doing something here. Um, so, well, I mean, here, perfect example. Exhibit A. If this was a courtroom, I would give you Exhibit A. The Wild, um, the Wild on February nineteenth started the afternoon, actually, of Monday, February nineteenth. Started a three-game East Coast trip: Islanders, Devils, Rangers. They win them all, right? So you're saying, okay, this team's had some problems on the road this season, but they played well there. This is a real change. Then they come home. They beat a pretty good Sharks team, three-two in OT. Uh, then they whoop the at that time hapless Blues eight to three, and so now you've got five consecutive wins, and you're saying, "Oh wow, this is impressive." Then they go on the road, Matthew, and they play at Arizona and at Colorado. Now Arizona is, you always hear this, right? Arizona is not as bad as you think they are. Well, <laughs> they are still they are still the worst team yeah. in the National Hockey League. Right? You They're lose bad. that game. You you lose that. You dominate that game in the first period, if I'm not mistaken. You lose that game. You go to Colorado, which is a very nice young team, but you get embarrassed seven to one. So now you're saying, ah, this is typical wild. Things are going wrong. And then you come home and you play Detroit and Carolina and go to Vancouver and win all three games. And so you're saying they might be back. This might be it. The Oilers are the, it is a crime that Connor McDavid is not going to be in the playoffs, but for the most part and special teams wise, especially the Oilers have been a dumpster fire. So I, I am hesitant to um, to throw my enthusiasm behind 
the Wild. Do we see glimpses of, of a team that could be pretty good? Absolutely. Am, am I convinced that we're seeing a team that can be good in the springtime, in the playoffs, with the pressure of a playoff series? I don't think so. How about I, that? Yeah, I don't think so. I, I mean, I am also very skeptical as well of whether they could hold up to a playoff series. The one thing that might make it a little bit interesting as far as how they match up is there are two teams that are far and ahead of everybody else. And then there are a bunch of teams that I see as similar. I see the Winnipeg Jets and the Nashville Predators as being the cream of the crop. But then past that, a lot of teams with some flaws. I mean, the, even the Vegas Golden Knights have been really, really good, and it's a great story and everything else. But they have a goalie who is known for his playoff meltdowns, and they have a bunch of second-line players who are pretty good and some guys who maybe were way better, like William Carlson, than we ever thought they were. Even Eric Howla, with a lot of ice time, has proven that he, he could be a, a good scorer. But they don't have a true top-dominating line that's led by a superstar. And the same on defense, where they do not have a P.K. Subban who's going to lead his team in scoring and be one of the top-scoring defensemen in the league. Where the Wild might have some advantage is just the way that Eric Stahl has played this year, that he has played like a number-one center, the number-one center that they have not had for a long time. And Zucker, Stahl, and Granlund are a dominant line. When they're playing together, they are crushing it. And that would give you some optimism to say that in a playoff series, they could get hot and they could at least cause problems for another team and potentially win a series. But yep. tr but trying to talk mm -hmm. me into more than that is pretty tough. And I do wonder if Chuck Fletcher looks at this team and the way they've played and thinks, ah, with Luke Cunning's injury, I kind of wish I added another third liner. Well, and, and the counter uh, to what, what you just said, too, is, if you get in a playoff series and let's say you win a round, now my question becomes, okay, the stall line can certainly be effective and can be a good line. Eventually you're going to run into a team that defensively can probably slow them down a bit. But that being said, the most important question then becomes, okay, what's your second line going to do? And Parisi's play, I, I really think I've seen him in the past couple of weeks uh, start to start to become comfortable again. And I think he's back to a point of he can certainly score a few goals, but that's the Koivu line, and that's Nino, who's playing with a bad leg that, that he's been playing with basically all season long, Parisi, who's not fast, and Koivu, who's not fast. So so I think to what you're saying is if you had a second line that you trusted and then the Koivu line could be your third line, depth-wise, you'd be in good shape. Your problem is you don't have that second line. And, and so, you know, what's sad about this entire discussion, Collar, is this, too. We are now talking about a team in the wild that should, the way that we're, ta we're discussing this, that should feel good if they can win a round. That was never the intention. The intention was by now was to say, okay, you're going to the playoffs, you can win the first round, and, and the discussion sh should be about, like, conference finals. And it's not close. We are actually ha having a discussion that would, that would pat the wild on the back for winning one round. And three years ago, our expectation had become win win the first round, probably win the second round, and get to a bleeping conference finals, and now that conversation basically completely gone. So let me ask you this. Let's say that I told you they got to the conference final this year. How okay. did they how did they do it? 
if if, okay. if it's sure. going to happen, because I, sure. I think that that would constitute a win for this year's team. That that would Agreed. that would be Agreed. while they achieved exactly up to their potential and their talent, and maybe even a little more. They got to the conference final, came up short against Winnipeg or, or Nashville or, or somebody. The Kings always seem to be dangerous if you get them in the playoffs. Let, let's just say though they got to the conference final, they lost. How did they get that far in the playoffs? Um, okay, let's start in goal. Dubnik, if they got to the conference finals, Dubnik essentially won one around for them. Dubnik stood on his head and in either the first or second round won, let's say, three games. Let's say two. But, I mean, Dubnik played phenomenal. That this was the guy, basically, that this was the guy who has, at different times since he's been acquired by this team from the Coyotes, has played great for stretches. Well, he had one of those stretches in the playoffs. That's piece one. Piece two is Suter and Spurgeon were outstanding, but beyond that, Dumbo was great. Hey, yeah. Dumbo scored yeah. two or three goals. Matthew, D- Matthew Dumbo, you now, you now have gotten a firsthand look about why guys like Holler and Volgad said, don't be so quick to give up an offensive defenseman, even though he makes some boneheaded, stupid plays. Matthew Dumba was outstanding. And then I think the third piece is is not only did the stall line play really well and give you a lot, but the Koivu line did too. So I think there's three absolute key components that would surprise me but would play key roles. Dubnik standing on his head for at least a series and playing great hockey. Dumba not only not making boneheaded plays but providing you offense and then uh, the third one being that your second line played like a really good second line and not what I consider a lot of the time to look like a third line, Matthew. Now, I don't remember if I gave you this stat on the Hockey Adventure podcast on the air or if I just texted it to you. I don't recall. But I'm going okay. re- to read you some names, okay. and uh, then I'm going to tell you what the stat is. So here are the names. Connor McDavid, Anton Strollman, Matt Dumba, Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos, Victor Hedman, William Nylander, Claude Giroux. Uh-huh. These are the players who have been on the ice for the most goals for their teams in the NHL. Connor McDavid, Anton Strollman of Tampa Bay, who plays a lot with all the best players there, and Matt Dumba are all tied that they have been on the ice for the most goals scored by their team. And this year with Dumba, the Wild have outscored opponents with him on the ice 63-49. to 49 which is a very solid 56% goals for percentage. So he might be out there for a few more goals here or there when he makes mistakes. But this is the reason that we were talking all summer long. You have to make sure you keep him because he is always involved in the offense. And for his entire career, the wild score more goals with him on the ice than any other defenseman they have, even as good as Spurgeon and Ryan Suter are. So that's how valuable he can be. And if he gets hot, there is a chance that uh, they can match up with some of those other great defense cores from other teams. Now, my scenario, Judd, is Zach Parisi plays like he has been or better for Mm -hmm. the playoffs. That that back surgery not only resolved his back issue, but it also gave him an opportunity to rest for most of the season and have fresher legs than everybody else. And, and I would put as an aside to that, if you told me they reached the conference final, of course they got great goaltending. They also stayed healthy. And last year, wasn't it Eric Stahl that got hurt 
in the playoffs against St. Louis or was playing hurt or something like that. I think I, I think I vaguely recall Stahl being hurt during the playoffs. And uh-huh. I would also say Charlie Coyle had one of those runs of great Charlie Coyle where he just looks like a monster dominating player. And he was able to sustain that for at least one series. I think in that case, it does become possible. Uh, to answer your question, Eric Stahl was injured when he suffered a concussion in Game 5 of that first-round series against the Blues okay. when he crashed into the boards. Uh, Coyle's a great point, caller. In fact, I just uh, called this up before you, you brought up his name. Now, Coyle has uh, two goals in the past two games. He scored with the goaltender in the net against the Oilers on Saturday night. He got an empty net goal, in which I believe that Matt Cullen took mercy on him and fed him the puck, despite the fact that Cullen probably could have scored himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, I want to say Eric's or Eric Stahl, I want to say that Charlie Coyle had gone through a 12-game stretch with no goals. He had scored two goals on February 10th against the Chicago Blackhawks, and before that had gone a three-game stretch. My point being is, you are correct. And Charlie, Charlie Coyle, though, mirrors his team in this sense. Every time you're about to say, I give up, right? Yeah. I give up on the wild. They're not a playoff team. They lost to, you know, they lost to the Coyotes at home in OT and blew a three-goal lead to the Coyotes. I give up. Or every time I'm, I'm about to say, you know what, Charlie Coyle, this is not going to work. I give up. He scores a few goals. Um, but, Char- yeah, Charlie Coyle has had what I consider to be a maddening season. If he could come out in the playoffs and play that big game and score some goals, it, it would be a tremendous help. But once again, I feel like that's going down the path of it could happen. It could happen. It didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. it, it's a great point. Though. I yeah. mean, Char- Charlie Coyle has driven me nuts. And Charlie, there's so much more there and yep. you just never see it consistently. Yep. So let me uh, ask you then, as we go down the stretch, could they do anything to convince you to be really excited about them going into the playoffs? Probably not. The The potential signing of BU's Jordan Greenway, uh, it, that does excite me because he's six foot six, and, and I believe that, that he could, with his style of game, be plugged in immediately, and I think he could be plugged in immediately and probably be a top six winger. Um, but am I going to expect that signing him is going to make you a form, formidable opponent in the playoffs? Probably not. So the green getting Greenway on the roster would excite me as a person that watches this team a lot. But if you're going to take that and say, okay, does this excite you for, for the playoffs? I would really slow down. I just I've seen this team so many times, and I've seen this group of players that saying that there's any one thing that could happen that would actually get me excited for the playoffs beyond winning series, I'd feel foolish because if I say yes, they'll blow it. So I, I really hope you, for... How about uh, you? Well, not really. I mean, just just Parisi playing extremely well or Dubnik looking really well going, uh, looking really hot going into the playoffs might make me think, yeah, this is the year that they could do it. Um, the way Stahl has been playing, it gives you a little bit of hope there that you have a, a dominating top line. And, and Grandland, you know, a few weeks ago or... When, whenever that was last week, when they played the Sharks and I went to that game, Grandlin played about as well as you could possibly play. I mean, he was just a mm-hmm. dominating player, taking pucks away from people, back checking, winning battles, coming into the offensive zone, controlling the puck. And that version of Mikel Grandlin can be really, really tough to stop. That would be my other scenario where you could see it is if Grandlin can play like that 
over a over a long stretch of time, and he's become more consistent as he's gone along. But uh, the, you know, in the playoffs, him and Zucker just have not done it. They have not shown up in any playoffs that the uh, Minnesota Wild have had, and it's hard now, to think now, when Grant, is this going to happen. Granlund, in, in his defense, actually, and this is uh, way before you got to town. Granlund, in the Colorado series, where they were they the year that the Abs, I think, won the division and the Wild upset them. I want to say Granlund was pretty good in that series. He, he scored this incredible diving goal. Okay, I remember that. Yep. I, and so he was, and that was a series in which we all said, because th- this was at that time still a young group of players. We all said, okay, it, when these guys mature, they're going to be great. Um, but since then, I believe you're right. I believe when when you look at the playoff performances since that time, it, it has not been it is it has not been what it could be. And the thing with Granlund is. When he's at his best, you look at him play and you say superstar. I see Zucker and I say goal scorer, but but he's going to be streaky, and I get that. And there are some times that, that Zucker makes plays and you just shake your head. The thing with Granlund is you don't say good player. That Sharks game is, is the perfect example. You look at that performance and you say that is the performance of a potential superstar. Uh-huh. So where so where the hell is it on a – even? I'm not even asking for a nightly uh, – basis here caller i'm looking i'm asking for it on a semi regular basis because when he's going well he is an absolute star and uh, just his, his playoff numbers he's got 18 points in 34 playoff games only seven goals in 34 playoff games yep. just not yep. anywhere close to what you want he did have the one good playoffs when he was 21 years old in uh, 2014 uh, mm-hmm. where he had seven points in 13 games which is still I mean, it's okay, but it certainly isn't a dominating superstar-level performance where you see the best guys scoring near a point per game in the playoffs. Now, looking around the rest of the league, Judd, do you have anything in in Judd's notebook, or can I throw something at you? Go ahead. Throw something at me. Are the Pittsburgh Penguins going to do it again? I mean, they've been playing pretty well. (laughs) Now, they've got goaltending issues that they have not had in the past with Matt Murray in the playoffs. But yes. when I'm looking at some of these matchups, at, yes. uh, the Tampa Bay and Boston are both incredibly good teams. And yep. Nashville is also an incredibly good team, and I put Winnipeg up there as well. Yep. But, man, when you look at the second half of the season that Evgeny Malkin has had, that Sidney Crosby has had, and yep. where they stand now from where they were early in the year, I just can't help but think, are they going to do it to us again? You bring up the most important thing um, in in thinking that they might not, which is goaltending. Uh, I think goaltending becomes a question mark there uh, because as bad as Flurry uh, can be in the playoffs at times, you did have the luxury of the past what two years of Murray and Flurry. Yeah, you don't have that now. Uh, that that being said, is the Pittsburgh Penguins have the have the star power and the credibility to do what I think is the smartest thing that a team can do in this league. If it has the ability, the wild does not. I repeat, the wild does not, and that is to slow cook it. That is the that is to not sweat it. Mm-hmm. And because because if I say to you right now, Matthew Collar, you're a hockey fan. Give me the last five President Trophy winners. You'd say, Judge, shut up. Who cares? Right. Yeah. And I'd agree with you telling yep. me to shut up. So my point being is the fact that the Penguins were 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 perilously close to falling out of a playoff spot in, I think, December, and it was being talked about a lot, 
was basically just, I think the Penguins said, whatever, guys, we don't care. We've got Malkin and Crosby and Kessel. Um, the only thing that would concern me is when, when you do get to the springtime, is the goaltending going to, is the goaltending going to become an issue? I can't answer that. But if the Penguins are parading around a third consecutive Stanley Cup in June, don't count me as being surprised by that. So I was just pulling this up the other night because uh, I watched the Penguins a little bit and, and just checking in on how they're looking. Mulkin has 85 points right now in 65 games. I mean, he's got to be the Hart Trophy, if not just in that conversation at the very top. And then Kessel and Crosby are both well over a point per game, too. Crosby's at 74 in 69 games, and Phil Kessel's having another fantastic season, 77 points in 69 games. Hot dog eater. He just, he just eats hot dogs. Uh, no, actually, his sister, <laughs> I, I saw the, that. the better hockey player in the family, confirmed... Oh, Yes, yes, she is. Um, She confirmed on Twitter that uh, Phil Kessel does not eat hot dogs outside of when he's golfing, she said. okay, That breaks the Steve Simmons narrative, so you just hold your tongue, (laughs) Matthew Collar. He eats hot dogs all the time. Can you, I mean, all the great players who have been traded in this league, it really shows you some of the the brainless thinking that goes on in these front offices. Phil Kessel has two Stanley Cups and now has 77 points this year and is just one of the best pure offensive players in the NHL. He gets traded a couple times. Uh, Taylor Hall, what are we at, 26 games? Is it still going, his point streak? No, it just ended. Just ended. ended, I think it ended on Thursday night for the Devils, yeah. Okay, okay, so it's over 25 games, 26 games, point streak for a guy that was traded for a second-pair defenseman who doesn't stand out anytime you watch him. I mean, it is is truly amazing how some of these teams – have been helped because the Penguins getting Kessel uh, really took them to the next level from from where they were, that they were kind of, you know, relying so much on Crosby and Malkin and getting into the playoffs and losing, and Flurry was hurting them in that area too, but that, that seemed to be happening a lot. And Kessel is now the, the third elite player that they have, and they've been unstoppable since, and he's just having another great year. So awesome trade. Awesome trade, Toronto. Can you imagine Toronto with Phil oh. Kessel still on that team? Except, except, here's my question. Would, would Phil Kessel have thrived there? Because I do think being put on, on a team with Crosby, where all the attention, because I, I think he hates attention. Yeah. And, and the, the media, as you know very well, being from Buffalo, the media in Toronto is absolutely Yankees-like crazy there. And so... I wonder if if getting to Pittsburgh, which is a good hockey town, but it's not Toronto, and now you've got, what, one or two newspapers and all the attention goes to Sydney or Malkin, I think that that helped him a ton. I think being, I think being in the spotlight in Toronto drove him nuts. Nonetheless, heck, if you're the Bruins, I mean, didn't the Boston Bruins have him originally? They sure did. Hockey's such a weird sport because it's so reactionary and trades are made so quickly. And I think we sometimes forget that you get a player when he is either A, just young, or B, not matured yet. I mean, Blake Wheeler, his rights, I think Gretzky took him like sixth in the draft or something ridiculously high out of Breck High School, essentially. Um, He then signed with the Bruins. I think the Bruins bailed on Blake. He then went to... Atlanta, which now is the Jets. But my point being is, if you could have projected, you know, six years back or five or 
back when when Blake was still a small a smaller player, big kid, but certainly not filled out, and said, "This is going to become when, when this guy's a man, he's going to be a dominant type player." You wouldn't have traded him. So it's it's just a weird, and we've discussed this before. It's a weird sport. It's full of a lot of angst, which I identify with. <laughs> Re- reaction, like quick reaction. Yeah. And, and so, and you know what? Too, I think some guys just they get a change of scenery and, and they thrive. I, I mean, I do think I do think Kessel in Toronto, as good as he probably could have been, was a bad fit because he didn't want to be the guy. And I don't think he liked the attention. And now he's still a very important part of that Pittsburgh team. But every reporter is essentially going to go to Crosby first. So that probably helps him out. Yeah, I, maybe Austin Matthews would have done that or, or having Mike yeah, Babcock true. there. Or just on a good team. They were bad yeah. for so long. Sometimes guys get pegged as you know not being good with the media or, or whatever. It might be aloof, that sort of thing. Because yep. they're losing all the time, and they get tired of being asked why they're losing all the time, especially when they're a great player. He was a great player the entire time he's in Toronto, and yet he only ever got to talk about losing all the time. And I, I imagine that's and got hot a, dogs and hot dogs. and hot dogs. I imagine that that's got a really great on a guy, and and that Toronto oh, sure. that Toronto media is brutal. I mean, it is absolutely it is absolutely a hundred percent focused on the Maple Leafs and. They can be really, really tough on players. I think it does take special kinds of players to be able to handle the spotlight there. So, um, well, anyway, I, I think we're on the same page that do not forget about where Pittsburgh stands. And uh, I ran through, oh, yes. I ran I like through potential playoff scenarios and matchups and things the other day. And, uh, Judd, I mean, I think that this potential postseason in the Western Conference could be absolutely incredible with the number of teams that are competitive and the team, yep. the team I would say you could give me one. If you have one, the team I'd say don't sleep on is the mm-hmm. Anaheim ducks in the West mm-hmm. because they were uh, hurt a lot this year and they've been much better since they've been healthy. And gets is continuing to play at an elite level. Uh, yes. And they are. Yeah. Because the, the thing I love about the potential Western conference playoffs is the is the physical play that we're going to see? The Ducks strike me as a team that could beat you up, and I, I don't mean in fights. I mean physically in a a seven game series. Matthew, mm-hmm. the Ducks strike the Ducks strike me as that type of team. Um, I think the Preds are tough, and the Jets for sure. And if I'm not mistaken, right now don't don't we have a projected if the playoffs started today, uh, Wild Jet series? Wouldn't that be the first round series? Um, is that two, how, three, is that two, three, go? right? Two, three. Yeah. Yeah. It's one, yeah. it's, it's one, eight. It's the winner of the Pacific against the seven. And then it's two, three, two, three. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 But, um, but the, the uh, but a Jets wild series, I think would be very intriguing because the Jets, the Jets would do to the wild what the blues did, but I think even more so, I mean, Buffalo and guys like that and Wheeler, you're talking about some real physical presence. So it, it, it's going to be tough, but I do. It's just, it's really sad that we're now back to talking about the wild. Like, well, if they win a series, that's going to be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you sign the two guys to 13 year, $98 million contracts, Matthew, the goal at that time was never to say, I sure hope they can win a playoff series. The goal was to say, can you win a Stanley cup? And now I think if any wild fan, I think even if the FSN North play by play and color guy were being honest with themselves, they would say, 
it would take an act of God for this team to even get to the Stanley Cup Finals, Matthew. Powell. To reach the Stanley Cup Finals still feels like an extreme stretch. To to win a playoff series or two, I think that there's a scenario where you could see it. Um, last thing for me, Judd, I want to see Colorado get in. As much as I respect the Los Angeles Kings and I love Anze Kopitar and Drew Doughty and Jonathan Quick, Colorado would be the great story, as good as Vegas, as far as a story goes. And I would also say, watch out for Nathan McKinnon in a playoff oh, series because they could be dangerous. The fact that there is no chance, that there is zero chance, Matthew Collar, of of getting a McKinnon-McDavid matchup in a playoff series as a hockey fan makes me want to puke. Can yep. you um, can yep. you imagine? Can you even wrap your head around how much fun that if if the Edmonton Oilers had a semblance of a power play and penalty kill and a decent GM, can you imagine how much fun it would be to potentially be talking about w- whether it be this year, or, this year or next year, but to be talking about a McKinnon McDavid driven playoff series? I don't care where those teams are located. If you're the league, you market that series as your marquee series because that will turn sports fans into hockey fans if that's what what you want man i i was oh, uh, i had the same face when connor mcdavid got drafted uh by the edmonton oilers or when they when they won the lottery and he yep. was going there because i knew i wouldn't see him play a whole lot unless i use the uh version of game pass whatever they call it in hockey and yep. uh also, when Peter Shirelli is the general manager there, you just have no chance. You just, it's the worst. He's the worst general manager in the National Hockey League. It, it can't even be close. And I know that what they did in Boston with him there, but it can't even be close. A, a GM who traded away and got fleeced in deals for Tyler Sagan and for Taylor Hall and just tore that team apart. And, and imagine what Taylor Hall looks like playing with Connor McDavid. and. Oh. He, we did not get that opportunity to see yeah. them rightfully but build that team. Yeah, you got yeah. Larson for him. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's he's a he's a great three or four. You know, you're, it was idiotic. You're exactly right. All right, as we approach the playoffs, Judd and I will be talking more hockey as we go along. And if you didn't already know, you hockey nuts, that we do some hockey talk on Saturdays as well from uh, ten to noon Central Time. If you. Uh, ever want to check into uh, Saturday Sports Talk as well. So thank you, Judd, and uh, we will catch you all later on Matt and Judd's Hockey Adventure. See you, Matthew.